the church has really not done a great job with that, mm-hmm. uh, and especially with regard to men, because men to be, men tend to have, have such a tough exterior and don't want to go to the doctor and don't want to go to a counselor and don't, <laughs> you know, so uh, they feel like they're supposed to suck it up and keep going. And men are, struggle with this as much as the women do. I am yours, I am yours, I am yours, send me, Lord, I am yours, I am yours, I am yours. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast, a podcast designed to equip, encourage, and challenge you in pro-life ministry, and always with a focus on the gospel. Stay tuned. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Hey there. Welcome to the Gospel-Centered Pro-Life Podcast. My name is Vicki Kosiorg, and I'm here in Charlotte. I am the Sidewalk Outreach Training Director nationally. That's true. And then I I also work locally um, as the Sidewalk Coordinator here in Charlotte. And I'm joined today by—we have a special guest, but first of all, our regular uh, cohort— Daniel Parks. Yep, that's me. Yeah. And I serve as the West Coast Regional Shepherd for Love Life. So I oversee all of our stuff on the West Coast, everything west of the Rockies. Wow. Wow. Big territory. It's pretty big, yeah. Yeah. But the Lord's doing a lot of stuff out there. And also, I oversee the sidewalk ministry nationally. Vicki and I kind of tag team that. And... um, you, you introduce our special guest. Okay, so guest. we have a special guest. We are joined with Stephanie Reinhardt. And Stephanie, I don't know what your exact title is. I know that you are the guru of abortion recovery and <laughs> yeah. and, and actually work with, with Love Life in that area. So why don't you tell us what your title is and, and kind of a little bit about yourself? Well, um Stephanie Reinhardt. I'm the director of Restored Life Ministry, which is the abortion recovery arm of Love Life. And uh, we first started in 2018 when Justin realized all these churches were coming out and a lot of them had experienced abortion in their past. So he wanted to offer a connecting piece. Uh, There's sometimes confusion about Restored Life. What is it? It's a connecting ministry. Uh, We also do training. Uh, So we help men, women, and churches connect with healing abortion recovery ministry. We help train new leaders and help existing leaders to sharpen their skills and uh, just add some um, good practices to what they're already doing to strengthen their ministries and help them to be more successful with what they're doing. It's a pretty tough area of ministry. Yeah, awesome. So the our specific topic today is is how abortion affects men. But when you you introduced yourself and said the churches were coming out and so many of them had abortion in their past, what is the number? Uh, the an estimate of you know is it one in four? Is what I think I've heard, or what is the number of of people who are affected by abortion? Well. The numbers have changed over the years. Uh, For people ages 55 and up, Mm -hmm. roughly, uh, it's about almost half. Wow. It's 44%. That have been actively involved in some way in an abortion. Women that have had an abortion and thereby men as well, because it takes two. Um, And then uh, from roughly ages 35 to 50, 55, right through there, it's about 33%. And then we get down into... um, 
age 35 and younger. And the hard statistic is 25%, roughly 27%, maybe. Um, But I would even wager to say that percentage is much higher than that. uh, Because uh, the Guttmacher Institute is keeping track of all of the surgical abortions. And Mm -hmm. Pharmacists for Life will tell you there's been over 250 million pills prescribed oh my since the inception of the pill abortion. Yeah. So that kind of blows the 60, and that's just in the United States alone. So that yeah. kind of blows that 65 million number out of the water. Yeah. Uh, so we're literally everywhere. We're so, the walking wounded. It's yeah. just so staggering. When it is those, staggering. Those numbers. So before we get too much more in depth with our topic, yeah. how do people, if they want to do a little more digging into Restored Life, get connected with Restored Life, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Best way to connect with me is to go to lovelife.org slash restored life and look at our webpage there. There's yeah. different ways to connect if you're interested in help finding healing, leader training, joining our leader network. Um, or sharing your glory story. Yeah, yeah. So I've heard you say in the past, and I can't. I think you kind of said it already, but um, restored life is like a switchboard Correct. for abortion recovery. So you don't just do abortion recovery studies, but you actually connect people with abortion recovery studies and organizations, retreats, and all that stuff in their actual city, right? Correct. Yeah. Whenever possible, we connect people with local resources, and we've gotten calls from all over the, the globe. We've gotten yeah. calls from India and Canada and South Africa, and I actually was able to get a gal connected to a study in South Africa yeah, near yeah. where she lives. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not always possible, though. And so there are some really excellent online resources that we're able to connect people with, too. What we found is, is if we can get people connected as quickly as possible, that it, it strike while the urn is hot, strike while that realization for the need for healing has come to the surface, then we're able to be more successful in getting them connected. We also take into consideration the need. Yeah. Sometimes it's a multi-layered need sure. with prior abuse and abortion, then abortion. Um, and then there's also, um, we want to take into consideration their schedule. Yeah. What are they able to do? And so right. we have found when we take an options-based approach, we're more successful in actually getting people connected to ministry that they go through with, yeah. that, that they get involved with. And if they do connect with you, all of that information is kept confidential, right? 100%, yes. Yeah. Love Life has even um, kept a database that they're no longer using for any other purpose yeah. that we use solely for uh, the abortion recovery piece. Right. And so all of our inquiries go through that database, and no one else has access to that except uh, myself and the the gal who helps administrate yeah. for our ministry. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And so that's a very um, confidential, we know that's critical yeah. in helping people feel safe to come forward and share that they've yeah. experienced abortion. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. So as as we were thinking about this topic, um, where we're we're specifically focusing with you today on on how men are affected by abortion, mm-hmm. I feel like as you've been talking, we need a podcast just about you know your ministry and and what you do in general. But for today, we're going to focus on how abortions affect men. And when I was researching this, I know I talked to you, Stephanie, but even before then, I went to look for studies 
to to find out how specifically because I I guess I hadn't thought much about it prior to meeting you really how uh, how does it affect men and I wanted to see the statistics and it is very hard mm-hmm. to find studies about how it affects men and the and the ones that I did find were actually very old so, right. and and very sparse I I really couldn't yeah. find much until I talked with you you were able to dig up more than I than I had but. Um, but so there's lots of studies. Well, there are some studies about how abortion affects women, but almost nothing that I could find about how abortion affects men. So the first big question is, is probably an easy one for you to answer. Does it affect men? And then, <laughs> and then the, the second part of that is, can you tell us some statistics and in, in what are some of the significant ways that okay. abortion does affect men? If it does. It does. Absolutely it does. And in great numbers. Uh, We know that these gals coming to have abortions, uh, we know from statistics at least 50% of them are repeat. Mm -hmm. That means they're not there for their first abortion. They're there for their second, third, fourth, or more Mm. abortion. And so if that's happening with the women, that's happening with our men. Right. uh, Because it takes two. Um, Over 70% of men who have experienced abortion have expressed that they did experience an adverse effect to their lives afterwards. Um, We know that uh, only 10% of the time uh, out of the uh, over around a thousand men that were interviewed, only 10% of those men said that they wanted the abortion. That only number 10%. really shocked me. Only 10%. Okay, that does surprise me because I generally think mm-hmm. of it as the man that is fueling the abortion, but most of them do not want it. 10% said it was something that they wanted. Wow. This is coming from men now. Okay, right. so 49% said it was her decision alone. She made the decision. She got him out of the decision. He didn't have any uh, choice and make so that half decision. of them had really no impact or mm-hmm. were allowed no impact supposedly on right. on the choice for abortion okay only 34 percent said they made the decision together mm. um and interestingly when asked a different question 45 percent said they had no voice in the decision at all yeah okay yeah which was devastating to the men afterwards. Yeah. So after the abortion was over with, these men were struggling uh, with a huge regret. Um, One gentleman said he asked forgiveness every day for his unborn child. Uh, His heart would forever be broken by the decision he had made that day. Mm -hmm. Another uh, interviewed said, uh, we ended the relationship. We couldn't go on. In fact, we know from statistics that over 70% of relationships that go through an abortion will fail. 70% is? 70% higher than 70%. Oh, Yeah, to round it off. Yeah. Yeah, and that's important to know, folks that are listening right now, um, so that you can share when you're doing sidewalk ministry and you're able to counsel with a couple. That statistic is really powerful. Very. That. You know, they may be coming to try to preserve their relationship, but the reality is that this may be the very thing that that ends the relationship. Down the road, if not immediately. That happened just not long ago where a woman um, uh, had the abortion 
And the boyfriend, I think, was right there with her. And we warned her most most couples do split up following abortion because she said it was he wanted the abortion. And right there in the parking lot, he broke up with her. And she came sobbing to us. You were right. Yeah. You were right. So, mm-hmm. you know, one of the so things hard. that you said that really struck me, one of those statistics, I think you said 49% had no choice or something like that. 47, 45, 45 had, mm-hmm. had, had no choice at all in whether the woman aborted or not. Um, knowing the psyche of a man to, to some degree, um, the first thing I thought of was that taking away any power at all that he might have had in that decision, that feeling of powerlessness. I think none of us like that feeling, but I would assume that is even more devastating to a man. Very emasculating yeah, yeah. Uh, to yeah. a man. Yeah. And some of the um, emotions expressed by men after um, they had gone through an abortion, the trauma of losing that child, amazingly, with 45% saying they had no voice in the matter, they still felt extraordinary guilt. Mm. Yeah. Um, depression, guilt, mistrust of their partner, difficulty feeling intimacy toward their partner going forward, relationship ender, affected me deeply, mentally. I wondered what my child would be like today. You know, um, other feelings of guilt and regret, just Countless uh, re- recordings of men feeling deep regret, depression, uh, just tearful, trouble getting over that, constantly thinking of their child and where their child would be today and how old their child would be today. So it's, it's pretty clear that then men are very affected in mm-hmm. some pretty devastating ways, and especially for... Well, for all of us as as people who love the Lord, we want to be able to to help these men as well as help the women. What do you think about how the church deals with the effect of abortion on men? Or maybe the better question is, does the church deal with it at all? Well, for the longest time, the, as we all know in the pro-life community, the church was totally silent on the issue of abortion. Right. They just sat on their hands. Yeah. And I, the more pastors that I've talked to, the more I've come to realize that many of them, uh, you know, some feared talking about abortion um, because, uh, because they saw it as a political issue. But as they began to realize, that, no, this is an issue of life and death, this is a spiritual issue, uh, and we need to be addressing it, well, then... Then they wrestled with the um, the challenge of knowing what to say and how to say it, because they knew they needed to speak on the topic. They knew that, yes, sin is an abortion, but they struggled with how to address it in the church without knowingly hurting people who had already experienced abortion. And so we really encourage pastors, talk about it. It is a two-edged sword. It is, yes, a sin, but no, it is not the unforgivable sin. Mm -hmm. And to, to, to preach on it with clarity, but to also offer 
that mercy and grace and forgiveness and and uh, restoration available through Christ sure. to those who have experienced it in the church. Sure. And the church has really not done a great job with that, mm-hmm. uh, and especially with regard to men, because men to be, men tend to have such a tough exterior and don't want to go to the doctor and don't want to go to a counselor and don't, <laughs> you know, so uh, they feel like they're supposed to suck it up and keep going. And men are struggle with this as much as the women do. And oftentimes the woman will bury that feeling alive where uh, in order to survive what she's done, uh, while the men will sometimes grieve very deeply. Yeah. Um, and they are not as prone to go into denial with their emotions as much as the women are. And so they're really struggling with it. So encourage churches to uh, offer help with connecting to ministries. Yeah. And there are some really great ones out there. And some great studies that are available for churches where they can do small support groups uh, in a casual way. Men don't process the same way women do. Men need something where they can do it out back behind the church around a fire pit and talk mm. about it mm. and get intimate about how it's affected their lives. Yeah, uh, that, was, that was kind of my next question was wondering a lot of the list that you gave of the aftermath of abortion for men. I know are similar to what women experience. So I wondered, is there a difference? You talked about there is a difference in how they are going to recover because of a different way of processing and whatever. Yes. But are, are there actually differences uh, between men and women in the aftermath of abortion and, um, and then in the recovery as well? What, what are some things that might be different, different needs between men and women? Well, the women, for the women, this is not only a mental and emotional and spiritual trauma, but it's also a physical trauma. Yeah, very good point. And we know from um, clinical psychiatry and, and, and psychology, we know that um, that trauma can even get anchored in the body. Yeah. There have been studies done. And uh, so the healing process that's needed for the woman is a bit different and oftentimes much deeper mm-hmm. than what the man will need. Not that the man's uh, emotions don't run deep as well, but it's just you've got that physical component of the physical trauma added in for the woman. Um, for the men, um, they really primarily need to know that they're not alone. They need to know that they've got someone they can confide in in a judgment-free zone Mm. uh, where they can share what they've experienced, what's happened. They can acknowledge their loss. They can acknowledge how it's affected them. They can share their thoughts, their feelings, usually anger, oftentimes at themselves for not speaking up, stepping up, trying to stop it, Um, and... um, often unforgiveness that they wrestle with uh, for the woman taking the life of their child, even yeah. though they didn't want her to in many cases. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll just pipe in real quick as a man mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> who hasn't spoken much because you ladies have been doing a great job. You, okay. uh, but just from my experience, I don't have an abortion in my past. Uh, I do know a couple of friends that I have who actually people on staff with Love Life who have abortion in their past, whether they took their girlfriend for an abortion or paid for an abortion, uh, but also have experience with men at the abortion centers. And I will attest, and I share this a lot when I'm doing sidewalk training, to the fact that most of the men that I talk to at the abortion center, and, and uh, granted, they could be lying, 
But the vast majority are not the men that are pressuring her to have an abortion, but the men who would say, I don't want her to have the abortion, but I don't feel like I have a say. And so at the abortion center, before the abortion takes place, obviously I want to encourage him, which means I want to put courage into him and say, hey, you can go and speak on behalf of your baby. Um, But also because I, I think sometimes that can be a mechanism that men use to put the guilt and the weight of it off on her. After all, I didn't want her to have it, but she had it. If you drill into it a little further, and I've done this a lot, you'll find that actually their apathy is, it's an ability for them, again, not to feel the guilt or not to have the guilt on them in the moment. They're apathetic in a sense, although they voice it in saying, I wouldn't want her to have the abortion, but after all, I can't, you know, I can't do anything about it. That's a fig leaf, actually. And I think there's a sense in which they need to be called out. We know that if the man steps up, I think it's 80% or so of the women said that if the man would step up and yeah. take responsibility, she wouldn't even have the abortion. So I won't personally let men get away with the idea that um, after all, it's her decision. It takes two to make a baby. You drove her here. And that kind of comes around to the abortion recovery thing. And, and, and of course, again, the church has not done a great job of addressing the issue just in general. But I do think that there is a balanced approach to this thing, right? We do need to talk about the fact that abortion is sin, that if the man is involved in the abortion, whether he was pressuring to have the abortion or whether he was just sitting by while it was happening, he still has guilt in that. And he needs to deal with that guilt in light of the gospel, like you said, right? There's We're not heaping and adding insult to injury. Um, But I don't like the idea that men in these scenarios a lot of times get away you know, mm-hmm. as far as the church is concerned and as far as like, you know, just the whole thing is concerned that we kind of give them a pass on it. They need to be called out. And it, ultimately, it's for their good. Right. Because when you've got sickness, sin in your life and it's called out, it's only then that you can really get the healing that you need. Amen. And so um, that's why I appreciate the perspective that you have, that we're not just talking about something, but we're talking about sin not the unforgivable sin, but sin, and it needs to be called out so that healing can come. And that is the motivation, right? The motivation is that these these men, these women, can experience true healing and wholeness through the power of the gospel. Yes, experience so, the healing and not be back because, right. you know, exactly. they, yeah, they just the keep coming back. Other, right, it becomes right. a cycle. That, and that's that, part of the power of the healing process is it does bring them to acknowledge not only where they've come from, but what they've just done. Yeah. Right. That's the hardest part of the healing process. It almost feels cruel to them when they're right. going through it. But the reality is it's helping them bring them to full repentance. Yeah. And repentance is that 180 we want to see them all do. We want to see them do a 180 and never show up at the doorstep of that abortion center again. Yeah. Because once, you know, excuse me, they found that, you know, men, um, once they realize and are brought to, uh, almost forced to see that this is a life, this is a child, this is not only a child, but my child, um, it begins to connect the humanity to that child. That's where they are finding that the men's hearts are being changed. Yeah. So, you know, 
that's that's a powerful change point. But you know, you you've got to understand who your audience, who who your client is, who you're mm-hmm. who are showing up at these abortion centers. Mm-hmm. Uh, those interviewed ages eighteen to forty four, a fifth of these men by the age of eighteen had experienced sexual abuse. Yeah. Wow. Oh wow. One fifth. Wow. One third have experienced physical abuse, and one third have no fathers because of the divorce rate. At yeah. 50% sometimes higher because of second and third divorces. So they've grown up in fatherless homes. They have not had fatherhood modeled for them mm-hmm. because of the breakdown of the family unit and that lack of understanding that they do have a role in the life of that child. That child is theirs. You yeah. know, so what happens from all the trauma that they've experienced prior to this abortion coming up in their life? Denial. They go into denial you know, as a coping mechanism uh, in the aftermath of that trauma. Mm. They, they, they tend to rationalize, not a real child, not my child, not my choice, therefore right. not my responsibility. And then they begin to minimize, well, it's not a real child. Let's just get through with this decision. As long as we don't see the baby in the mother's womb, as long as there's no any real evidence of the reality of this child, I can just turn my, a blind eye to it. Yeah. And that's where they are in that moment when you're meeting them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we found if we can get them through the door of a mobile unit yeah. where they can see that child on the screen, where they can hear that heartbeat, that, you know, and so we really encourage you, don't just get the mom to see that. Get the dad in yeah. there to see that, yeah, too. It's, uh, that's so great, and that is really one of the, I believe, one of the critical components of the mobile ultrasound unit is that we do allow the dad back there, and a lot of pregnancy resource centers do not. Right. And I think that is, to that very point, Stephanie, I do think that that is an issue with pregnancy resource centers because so often the dad is either being just not involved or is right. actively, you know, the one fueling the abortion. And if he could see that baby, it does change so much yeah. when he when he sees the child. It yeah. totally changes because yeah. all of a sudden where you've had someone who's who's potentially had a lot of past trauma in his life that has caused, caused him to become one of these walking wounded, a detached human being who doesn't know how to have an emotionally healthy relationship with another human being. They're just shut down. Yeah. You wonder why movies like, you know, and TV shows like The Walking Dead are so popular. Mm-hmm. It's right. because there's so many of us walking yeah. around yeah. that we're just emotionally deadened yeah. from yeah. all the trauma we've experienced in our family of origin growing up. Yeah. Um, and I, it's just uh, a profound thing um, to get to get them to that place of decision, you know, to where they become compassionate when they begin to see that it is a life. There is a heartbeat. Yeah. Right. And yes, this is mine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I think that's an important point. Yeah, really. Right. Yeah. That they understand. We talk about this in sidewalk counseling training. And, and I, I think it's absolutely appropriate as we're talking about abortion recovery for the moms or for the dads that they personalize what's actually going on. That that's not just some baby somewhere, some person somewhere, but that's actually your son or your daughter. And you could tell me whether or not I'm wrong when you're dealing with someone. I'm talking primarily about people. We talked about ultrasounds before they have the abortion in hopes that they would choose life. Then personalizing that's your child. Mm-hmm. But maybe you can speak to as you're if they've had the abortion, you're talking to them. Is it helpful to have them personalize it? That that's that was my son or daughter, to, so they can really get 
deep into Absolutely. what's happened and true repentance, like you said. Re- refer to that as their son or daughter. Yeah. Refer to that as their son or daughter. Yeah. And if they're going to go back in there and talk to that mom, you know, and try to encourage her to come out of there, they need to be referring to that child as their son or daughter. Yeah. And, it's our and they, baby. It is yeah, our, our baby. baby. Right. Yes. Yeah. This yeah. is potentially my son or daughter. Yeah. And and to also, you know, find out as quickly as you can what would be the key things that would help her come to a yes. Yeah. Right. What is her biggest uh, wall? Is it is is she running into the wall of I can't provide for this child? Is it provision that that's the hold up? Yeah. Is it him being there for the child to father the child and co-parent the child? Is that the hold up? Yeah. What does he feel like the hold up would be with her? Because then you can quickly equip him with a, with what he needs. Because, yeah. like you said, Daniel, uh, the statistics show um, over eighty six percent of women surveyed shared they would not have had the abortion if the father of the baby had stood up and said, "We can do this." Yeah, absolutely. And so, for you to in, you to empower that young man and say, "You can do this." Yeah, you do not. You do. You do not have to live a life that is affected by the trajectory of your past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's good. We had a woman on um, the mobile ultrasound unit um, a few days ago who she was the one fueling the abortion. The guy desperately did not want the abortion. Mm-hmm. And um, I was thinking, as you said, what is it that we could do that would maybe change her, um, the story for you two? But... Um, I did ask that of the woman, and she looked at the man who desperately wants the baby, and she said, I'm afraid he's going to abandon me. And I, I, she had never said that in yeah. from what I could tell because he, like, startled. And I just looked at him, and I said, is that your plan? <laughs> Right. And he said no. And then no is... and he hugged her and they chose life. Um but I, so I think that that you're you're moving into what is for me the the main thing I want to hear from you and you've already said a few things is we're out there on the sidewalk life or death. How do we take your knowledge and apply it in a practical way to hopefully promote that change? From both yes. of them toward towards life. Refer to him always as dad. Great, yeah. Yeah. Refer to the child always as your child. Right. Yeah. Your son or daughter. Yeah. A huge percentage of the men who were interviewed in this study that was done in 2021, a national study that was done, uh, regretted the loss of their child. Because they were actually looking forward to being a dad. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So to refer to him as dad is going to mm-hmm. strike that chord in his heart mm-hmm. because guess what? He already is one. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. If he says, I'm not a dad, say, sorry, but you already are one. Right. You know? Yeah. And, um, I'm sorry, what was the rest of your question? Uh, the, just the big, if there's any tips, knowing what you know about the psyche of the man and um, and his role in um, persuading the woman, what are some things we're out there as the sidewalk advocates or as the sidewalk outreach team, what can we say that might change that um, 
the heart of both of them, but specifically speaking to the dad, I guess in a way giving, like Daniel said, give breathing courage into that man. Yes. And I think men, you know, they may feel cut out of that decision-making process, but mm-hmm. they fail to realize the power of their influence. Yeah. That's good, to, to remind them of that. Remind them of yeah. the power of their influence. Right. And yeah. remind them, you will regret it if you don't at least make an effort yeah. to, to bring your influence to bear. I know the law may have cut you out of this decision, and she may be even cutting you out of this decision, but that doesn't mean you're not allowed to bring your influence to bear and require her to listen to you, yeah. Yeah. to hear your heart. Yeah. You could even talk about the, the research that shows that most women are just waiting for the man yeah. right. to say, I will be there. I right. will take care of you and our baby. And so many of the women, like you said, they abort for fear of losing the man. Right. And right. and yet what they don't realize is that's exactly what happens after an abortion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the it's abortion can put the nail in the coffin. Because the for trauma the that you've gone through yeah. can drive you apart. Yeah. And if you do stay together, oftentimes it's a very dysfunctional relationship that um is is centered around a trauma. Yeah. And has and has been peppered with mistrust. Yeah. yeah, you know, as we're talking, we we talk often about the mentorship program that we provide for the women, and we do offer it to the men. But the more I'm hearing you and thinking this through, the more I'm thinking, man, we should be offering couple mentorship. Yes, really, as often as they would be willing to accept it, because it really is it is a dysfunctional couple that ends up. At yes. an abortion center. Yeah. Because, you know, we talk about in Love Life about our, our real overarching mission is revival. Yes. yes. Of yeah. really bringing people back to Christ. Yeah. Right. And I think we have a unique opportunity to restore families. Yeah. We have a re- unique Amen. opportunity to teach these young people what a healthy marriage looks like yeah. Yeah. by bringing them into the churches and um, discipling them and bringing them in through the mentoring program in our houses of refuge where we can love on them, provide for them, you know, encourage them, help provide all kinds of support yeah. and even healing because yeah. we know that uh, well over uh, 30% to sometimes as much as 50% of these who are coming in for an abortion have a prior abortion in their past. So even if you have a save from the sidewalk, you've got a high percentage rate there yeah. of right. up to 50% right. that they have an abortion in their past. What better time to heal than going through that mentor-mentee process mm-hmm. while they're preparing for the arrival of the one that they have chosen life for mm-hmm. to heal from the loss of a prior abortion yes. so that they are starting from a healthy place in their parenting of that child when that child does arrive. Yeah, yeah. Um, but making it real to the man um, brings that abortion rate uh, decision down. Mm-hmm. And especially when you f- push through those defense mechanisms and you help them to embrace the reality of the life of that child, that they are a dad. Yeah. yeah. Those are key. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that they do have a voice. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, a young man, a couple today out at Planned Parenthood, and they did stop and they did talk to us. And um, uh, I talk immediately to the woman, but um, then I just looked up at the guy and said, are you the father of this baby? And he nodded and got real serious then. And real sad. Um, and again, I think that that is just a very practical 
and simple thing every sidewalk counselor can do is just say, are you the father of this baby? Because men are wired to protect and provide for their young. Men are wired that way by God. Yeah. So for them to deny that is to deny their their own selves, you know, and that comes back to bite them with regret down the road. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's important to ask them, are you ready to make the biggest regret of your lifetime at this young of an age? Are you ready to have to live with that the rest of your life? Yeah. Because of a momentary difficulty, because maybe you're strapped and you're not sure how you'll provide for this child, Mm -hmm. are you really going to allow that to govern whether or not you decide to choose life for this child? Yeah. Your child. Yeah. 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 Well, we're getting to the end of this episode, and uh, I believe we've covered a lot, and I think we probably could cover a lot more, and I think definitely we want to have you back on, Stephanie. Um, to talk about some more of these aspects of abortion recovery and um, even some of the insights you've given about ministering to to the moms and the dads going into the abortion center to help them to choose life. And so you've given some some great insights. I appreciate all that you do to bring recovery. I'll, I'll just tell you this. When Love Life started and Prayer Walk started here in Charlotte, um, I was not with Love Life initially. I was with Cities for Life until we merged the ministries in 2020. But as I began to see what the Lord was doing, I was certainly seeing um, you know, babies that were being saved, churches that were getting on board um, with Love Life that were coming out and doing prayer walks that had never been out to an abortion center. I never would imagine some of these churches would come out, and, and they're out there praying. It's just so awesome. Uh, of course, again, seeing babies saved, seeing people mobilized to do sidewalk ministry. But one of the things that was not on my radar, and I don't know why, but I didn't realize how powerful it would be and it became to bring people that have abortion in their past in the churches out to the abortion center, some of them to the very abortion center where they had their abortion. Yes. And to see them get healing, to see them confront the issue yes. that they've maybe not dealt with for years until they're there at a prayer walk. And yes. so just to see what God has done through Restored Life, what God has done across the nation and really bringing to the surface the hurt, the pain, the sin that's there. And how God has used the prayer walks and exposure to abortion yes. there where it takes place to really bring healing to people. It's just amazing yes. that the Lord, and like I said, it wasn't really on my radar that God would use the prayer walks and stuff for that. Yeah. But he certainly has. Mm-hmm. And he's used you in some amazing ways, not just to bring healing to individuals, but to raise up leaders. You're a leader yes. of leaders. And it's amazing to see what the Lord has done through you. Praise God. Yeah. Well, we, I, I started out leading abortion recovery ministry. That's where I got my start. Yeah. And started out um, going through abortion recovery as a very reluctant journey. Yeah. Because guess what? Grief and allowing yourself to grieve a loss from your past that you've never allowed yourself to grieve is something most people don't want to go back yeah. to. Mm-hmm. And I certainly didn't. And I knew God had forgiven me. And I didn't want to go back there and revisit that. And I said, I'm fine. And guess what? More than 50% of the people I talk to, even the ones who call me for help finding healing, argue with me that they're fine. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You called me, though. Right. You know? But um, And it's just because who wants to do a Bible study that's going to take them back into a painful place? And yet... The women and the men who come out the other side of these healing studies and retreats will tell you 
It's been one of the most profound experiences of their life. And another comment that we get commonly is, I can see how this is so applicable to every area of yeah. my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. it's the Word of God. Yeah. The Word of God yeah. is so applicable to Amen. every area of our lives. Yes. And so it's so important to uh, press past just that knowing that you're forgiven to really allowing the Lord to open that wound back up just one more time, to scrub Mm -hmm. it to the bottom and get those toxic Mm -hmm. emotions and those things that you just stuffed and buried alive, to get all that cleaned and healed from the inside out so that as you're stepping up to serve as a mentor, as you're stepping up to serve in sidewalk ministry, the enemy doesn't have anything on you or in you. You're free, you're clear, and you're, you're operating from a place of being whole, healed, and uh, ready to kick the devil's teeth in. Amen. Yeah. You know, and so that's really what we want to see people set free because guess what happens when you're set free? You set other people Amen. free. Yeah. You yeah. Know? That's so that's good. the exciting part of doing yeah. this ministry. Awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, guys, we appreciate you listening to this podcast episode. If you want to get in touch with Stephanie, like she mentioned at the beginning, you can go to lovelife.org slash restored life. And uh, reach out to her that way. And then you can reach out to us. If you want to reach out to us with suggestions of other episodes, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me, Daniel, at lovelife.org. You reach out to her, Vicki, with a Y, at lovelife.org. Also, leave us a review and um, give us five stars, because if you don't, you'll be out of the will of God. And share this <laughs> podcast with other people. <laughs> and uh, we hope that it will be a blessing to those that you share it with. And until next time, God bless. God bless y'all. God bless y'all. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude. I know it will cost me my life. Nothing's too precious since I met you.